0: of cards season six episode three is over but we're just getting started on the house of cards post show recap and now here are the two guys who have a bit more than just 20 seconds to tell you about this episode i'm rob cestrino back with zach brooks zach how are
1: you Oh, sorry, Rob. I was just finishing my Arnold Palmer before we get started. Yes. Hell of a guy. Hell of a oh, hell, hell of a man. Arnold Palmer's. Yeah. Just me sitting around my underwear, drinking Arnold Palmer's tonight. That's a good <laughs> <laughs> chapter. Sixty eight. Sixty eight. Yeah. Sixty eight. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> well done. Zach, I feel like that I was uh, like sort of down on the first two episodes of House of Cards. But this felt like the most House of Cards of the three episodes that we've seen here in season six.
1: Oh, this was very soapy. Like, yeah. I've always thought that Mark Usher, that actor, reminds me of somebody who would be on a soap opera. He <laughs> looks like a soap opera guy. Yeah. And this episode, we got every character in this episode has some dark skeleton in their closet. Yeah. And then the new characters have dark skeletons in their closet. Yes. And then we get a cliffhanger and Claire with twenty seconds to decide what she's going to do, like she's Jack Bauer. Um, yeah. This was this was super soapy, and uh, you know we're get, we're getting some fun House of Cards here in the last season.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. You know, I, I was very concerned the first two episodes that Claire was going to suddenly turn into, you know, this uh, goody goody. And, you know, once uh, she is talking about like putting a hit on Kathy Durant, okay, I, <laughs> I, I was feeling better about things.
1: Yeah, I I was thinking about your theory as we watched this episode and was thinking how You know, I don't think it's as much that they're making Claire Underwood like this good, hopeful character, but more they're showing that like that's not possible to roll around in this dirt and not get muddy. Yeah. Claire Underwood, she tried to keep her hands clean and she might think she's keeping her hands clean, but uh, she killed somebody. She definitely did. And so I think that really what this is
0: going to come down to uh, i'm feeling like maybe the ultimate battle that we're going to see here isn't necessarily uh claire versus the shepherds but i wonder if it's going to be claire versus doug when all is said and done i mean is she going to be able to get the jump on doug or is doug going to be able to get the jump on her
1: i do think that would be a worthy final battle for this show um You know, those are two characters who have been around since the beginning outside of maybe Seth and Nathan Green. We don't really have that many other characters who have been there since the first episode. Mm -hmm. So Claire versus Doug. That's a real like Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Anakin Skywalker battle. Right. And see who gets the high ground.
0: Because Doug is the one person who you know, literally and figuratively knows where the bodies are buried and is the one that when we talk about, you know, the eventual downfall of the Underwoods, he is the one person, the Rosetta Stone of all of the
1: uh, Underwood
0: horrible things that they've done in six seasons of the show.
1: So he's just going to translate all of the bad things for the general public. <laughs> for Tom Hammerschmidt. There. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I guess Tom Hammerschmidt's been around since the beginning, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I do wonder, though, if Doug takes out Claire in some ways, I feel like that Frank Underwood has won.
1: Oh, that's interesting. And they are both kind of his surrogates. And uh, allegedly they both gave him uh, some last minute uh, messages about the other one before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, so is is this new? uh representative who's trying to be speaker of the house is this like new frank underwood yeah maybe it like,
0: could be new frank underwood or um the person who is going to end up being like that maybe we're gonna see like house of cards like we'll set it up for a potential spin off with that guy going to the congress is is he already in congress and he's trying to be speaker is that what's going on
1: yeah so it'd be like a house of cards legacy Yes. House of Cards, house of Cards legacy. legacy.
0: Right. If we yeah. want to, Netflix needs, you know, to add uh, 200 new original series a month or it will die. And so yeah, House of Cards legacy could be in the works. Yeah.
1: Well, I, you know, I think that guy seemed charismatic. Um, yeah. And, he, you know, I think Frank Underwood started out. He was in the house. I don't remember if he was trying to be speaker of the house or not. I don't think so. But. I mean, I'm sure there was a point in time when Frank Underwood was trying to be speaker. I don't think he was speaker of the House. I think he was the
0: minority whip. Yeah, that's true. Whip. Yeah. Yes, and I think that he was hoping to be Secretary of State. I think it was uh, in the first season. Like there was some like cabinet position that he thought he had been promised and then uh, did not ultimately get
1: yeah um that's that's ancient history that's ancient history okay (laughs) let's
0: let's jump into this cliffhanger here at the end of the episode where the body of tom yates gets pulled out of cold storage here presumably (laughs) and is in a van and mark usher pulls claire underwood aside at the very end of the episode and says you have 20 seconds to decide we can get rid of him or the police will be right here did we get a Firm answer from from Claire Underwood.
1: I felt like she was saying, "All right, I will play ball." Yeah, I mean, she kind of just ran away, right? Right. Did was, she say uh, anything? She, Did she say anything? She said I un- yeah, she said, "I understand. I understand." Um, but was that a clear answer? It, I took it to mean, "I understand," and yup, I'll play ball. um I'm not going to fight this battle. But um yeah, maybe I mean, maybe she's running away from her problems, literally. It's so crazy to me that
0: we, you know, we we see so much going on behind the scene with with the Shepherds where we have Duncan and we have Bill and we have Annette. And they have basically two damning pieces of evidence on her. The first is that she has had three abortions. Which we knew about one of them.
1: I don't think we knew that she had three.
0: And one of them she lied about. So three abortions, and then the second thing that they have on Claire Underwood is that she single-handedly murdered a White House speechwriter in in the last four or five months. Yeah, 100
1: days ago is what they said.
0: Yeah, and there's some talk in this episode. Seth is like, hey, uh, I can get the names of the guys with the abortions, and that's like, no. No, we can't do it. we won't do that to her. We will we we cannot we cannot tell people that she had abortions because that's that's a, a dirty trick.
1: It's a low blow. But the dead body thing, the murder thing. <laughs> all right, let's play that card. I mean, you know, she actually killed somebody. I think Annette is being moral here and realizing that murder is a bad thing, and uh, Claire Underwood needs to be sentenced and and punished for murdering somebody.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess uh, that to me it, was, it and maybe I'm, I'm like misinterpreting what they're saying on the show, but it seems like, no, we can't do that to her. We we're, we're like we cannot potentially you know expose her for a, a choice that she made. But this murder thing, like, uh, yes.
1: I mean, it's it's definitely interesting because the murder would be something that'd be very easy to sell, I guess, to the public. You would say here is a dead adult man named Tom Yates that Mm -hmm. Claire Underwood has killed. Um, But if you try to say Claire Underwood had three abortions, one of which has already been in the news in the past and we're going back to that um, you know maybe maybe it's maybe it's that maybe it's that Annette Shepard and Claire underwood go back so far in their history and they're good friends from childhood um, and we don't know when these three abortions were but uh, mm-hmm. How involved was Annette Shepard during one of these three abortions with Claire? Was it that they were that age when we saw them in the flashback and Annette went with Claire to get the abortion and just kind of understands the emotional impact of this and um, you yeah. know, doesn't doesn't want to take the full measure? It wants to do the half measure. Well, you know, now that I'm talking it through, though, from a decency perspective, um, that maybe we have
0: uh, Annette Shepard doesn't want to docs Claire Underwood's full uh you know private medical history but you know she did murder somebody and so maybe from a, a, a very pious uh point of view like
1: hey you murdered somebody I have to out you as a murderer yeah and I mean do we know for sure that if the police came and found Tom Yates's 100 day old body I guess they could probably tie it to Claire um I don't think it's this open and shut case. I I don't were, think
0: that's the kind of press you're looking for if you're Claire Underwood.
1: Yeah, probably not. But it's like, oh, this body turns up after 100 days and um, still looks pretty good. I mean, he doesn't look like he's. Uh, yeah. You know, in too rough a shape for being 100 days old. And um, also, where where has he been stored? Where is uh, Mark Usher been storing him at the meat locker at Freddy's?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Zach refresh my memory how was mark usher involved with the murder of tom yates that that mark usher came on board as the as the vice president yet at that point that that, did did mark usher already flip sides because he was so he was involved that he was going to be the one was it his like uh cabin and he was going to remove the body
1: yeah, I don't remember if it was his cabin. I don't I think it was Claire's residence and Claire poisoned Tom Yates. Right. In, right. When Jane drink. was the one that
0: gave her the poison, but it does seem like that that was a really big meatball to potentially have out there where Mark Usher, who was the former campaign manager for The Republican Party, who now, I guess, was in cahoots with the Underwoods at that point. Again, I don't remember exactly what the nature of the Mark Usherwood-Underwood relationship was at that specific point in time. But to have him with that super incriminating piece of information
1: was, I think, a bad move. Yeah, it, it was definitely way too trusting. And clearly that's come back to bite Claire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Usher was at that point working with the Underwoods. I feel like it had, he had been kind of working with them for a few episodes because I think he switched sides right around the middle of the last season. Yeah, Maybe once was, RoboCop
0: was off the show, Mark Usher continued to be on the show and that he was somehow involved with uh, working with the Underwoods.
1: But yeah, you know. he was kind of like a he was kind of like a Mike Erman Trout where he came in as the fixer. OK, uh, Claire called him. Exactly. Yeah. He just he just showed up. All
0: right. I'll get rid of this body. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> just hope that my
0: girlfriend and doesn't come asking me for it. No half measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess in this situation where uh, hypothetically where Barack Obama chose, say, Karl Rove to be his uh, vice president. I mean, who could imagine something going wrong like this?
1: Yeah, Uh, it's smart thinking by Mark Usher. Um, I didn't expect the Tom Yates body to come back into the picture uh, at at all. Um, But, you know, Mark Usher knew someday he's going to need this leverage. And I guess it's good that he needed the leverage 100 days later and not like 10 years later. Because um, that body could be pretty nasty at that point. Yeah.
0: Uh, actually, before I end up getting uh, emails, uh, that I know that Karl Rove didn't uh, ran the George Bush campaigns and not the uh, McCain campaign. Uh, ironically, uh, Steve Schmidt, who ran the McCain candidacy for president <laughs> in 2008 versus Barack Obama, I
1: believe, has left the Republican Party. So I guess it's not the craziest thing in the whole world. Yeah, these these guys, uh, you know, they're they're focused on getting things done. Uh, They're fixers. So, yeah, I I mean, is any Democrat
0: making Steve Schmidt their vice presidential candidate? I I don't (laughs) think so. But but, you know, it's uh, you know, it's Uh, not. (laughs) Nothing would surprise me at all. No, no. Uh, It it would
1: be (laughs) more surprising if it happened in the House of Cards universe than in ours. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Some Somebody timestamp where you just talked about Steve Schmidt and then in uh, in four years or mm-hmm. in two years. Let's let's yeah. pull that clip. OK, so
0: so much crazy stuff uh, going on in this episode. Uh, Kathy Durant is dead at this hour. What happened there with Kathy Durant?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Stan called to let Claire know um, that Kathy had
0: died.
1: Yeah, was was she locked in a trunk,
0: and then uh, they drove off a uh, the side of a cliff? Uh, I mean, that could be one way that it could happen. Wrote a long <laughs> note to
1: to Claire and to Doug. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. I, I, you know, maybe we'll get some more. Uh, I, maybe we'll get some more. Uh, uh, information on that at some point, but Kathy Durant evading uh, evading the the death assassination a couple times in this episode. It just looks like it was the third time that they tried to kill her that they got <laughs> the time, a charm. Yeah, first I love that scene with Jane Davis
0: <laughs> and Kathy Durant. Uh, that was my favorite scene so far in season six of House of Cards, and and it, it might be up there in the entire series because it was it was so great where uh, Kathy Durant walks into the restaurant she walks out like "Uh, i i don't like this something stinks here and then she calls up jane davis on the phone she's like you know how could you how could you she's like come on oh like look if it's not gonna happen today well you're just letting the inevitable it's gonna happen and when kathy was like i curse you i curse you to die a horrible painful death jane I'm not,
1: that's not gonna how i'm gonna die come on yeah, sorry it. to disappoint you i'm not gonna die that way and jane she, davis is so calm all the time i think it's you know we saw her in like a some sort of spa at the end of the last season and i think it's really working she's just very calm all the time very measured i forgot how much i love jane davis yeah she's great she's great
0: and then she just like uh like snaps the breadstick after she gets all the fun with kathy Durant. <laughs>
1: Do you think that we are getting uh, Chekhov's Jane Davis not uh, excruciating death in this episode? Well, that's always interesting. And we
0: should always you mark usher those things when somebody says, this is how I'm going to die. This is not how I'm going to die. Will Jane Davis die an excruciating death here in the next five episodes of House of Cards?
1: Oh, I think she'll uh, she'll die a not excruciating death. That's hmm. what she said she's always right. Yeah.
0: She does seem to have access to a lot of poisons. And so I think that if she was ever in a situation where she was going to have an excruciating death, I think that she would probably just end it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. She takes the poison pill so she doesn't have to give up the information. Maybe from from Ico and from uh, Mr. Nasser that we met in this episode. Yeah. So we come back to the Syria stuff in this episode. And
0: have we seen Nasser before?
1: No, and uh, I really wish they would have picked a different name for that guy. As a Michigan State alumni, I (laughs) was not happy about a character named Nasser on my screen.
0: Yeah, and this was sort of the jumping off point where uh, we were talking with Jane Davis about this. And Jane Davis is like, eh, forget about Ico. It's not a big deal. We're not even worried about them. You know, really, we're at the stage where we're going to reap the spoils from there. You know, Ico's done. We're on the same page as The Chef shepherds with Syria
1: yeah and I uh, I had forgotten about Ico so Jane Davis was right about one thing to be fair
0: I think that they played a bigger role in season four than they did in season five
1: yeah well it seemed like because there was the invasion of Ico at the end of the last season uh and they had gotten the the leader of Ico but uh this Mr. Nasser who looks like Tom Hardy to me yeah um You know, I guess they couldn't get Tom. So they went with his stunt double for this episode. Yeah. So what do we
0: think is going to happen? Just to go back to Tom Yates and Claire and everything that's going on there. I mean, uh, it seems like this is all over a Supreme Court justice where it seems like that the Shepherds have their guy that they want to the Supreme Court. Do we know exactly why they want this uh, particular gentleman to be on the Supreme Court?
1: No, I don't think we know why that is. But, um, you know, we had met that character in the last episode. He was the one who Claire talked to in the hallway um, and said that the age of the white man is over. I'm still Um, so confused by this because then (laughs) they said in
0: this episode, oh, they were going to leak this during the confirmation hearing. So are they waiting for a point when uh, this uh, I'm sure what, what was this justice's name? Uh, uh a bruzo, I
1: mean,
0: a bruzo. a bruiser yeah <laughs> a bruzo uh, that he was gonna be like going through sort of these confirmation hearings and then this footage was going to be leaked and then claire underwood was just going to come across looking not great during the con like like she has a real agenda and then the- is a bruzzo not going to get confirmed because of this and then claire underwood is going to have less power is that what's going on here
1: I mean, that would be some like four dimensional chess that they were trying to set this up just to leak the footage and make Claire look bad because um, there is a video of her talking about the age of the white man. But it, I I just interpreted it that they want a Bruzo. Um, it seems like he's an anti-regulation guy, which is uh, what we learn. We learn a little bit more about the Shepherds and what they want, and they want small government and less uh, less regulation. And it seems like a Bruzo is on their side in that case. So um, but I don't know what what releasing the video would have done. It doesn't seem like that makes any sense for either part of the message. I mean, um, yeah. And then to show Claire the message before it comes out that that video doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, is it? Set up here, where is the Supreme Court? Some you know, uh, four conservatives and four liberal justices, and the shepherds. Uh, you know, really, what because they seem to be uh, you know from the Republican Party, and they want their anti-regulation person there. And Abruzzo is a guy who looks like he would be a great fit for Claire, and then they are going to then sort of like bomb this confirmation hearing and then where like box Claire into a corner where she has to end up picking like a super
1: conservative justice is that what's going on I guess I mean it doesn't say like she only has a choice between two people for Supreme Court justice so. she wants her person it- well, I mean, I, not anymore. Okay. Now she now she doesn't want the uh, the Tom Yates of it all to come out. So mm-hmm. I think I think I think it's going to be a Bruzo. It seems like he's the the next Supreme Court justice. Um, and, and even Bruzo has got some skeletons in his closet. He talks about how he never had sex with any farm animals. And uh, most people wouldn't just offer up <laughs> I never had sex with farm animals unless there was something with a farm animal in their closet. You think this was Chekhov's farm animal? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, do you just go into go into meetings with people? You know, you're getting on a podcast with somebody and you say, oh, just let me set the record straight. Like, uh, I definitely don't had... spend
0: 30 hours a week podcasting. I just in case yeah. anybody was thinking that I definitely do not do that.
1: Don't do any podcasting with farm animals for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, will Abruzzo be confirmed to the House of Cards Supreme Court? Yeah, I definitely think so. You definitely think so? Yeah. I mean, Claire is kind of boxed in here. I'm trying to think, is there somebody else from the canon of House of Cards that we could see Claire Underwood putting on the Supreme Court? Is there somebody that's out there?
1: I mean, is Justice Cashew still hanging out somewhere? Justice Cashew uh yeah i guess uh i I guess that's that's possible who was (laughs) who was the The first guinea pig ever appointed to the supreme court it's a it's a game changer for claire underwood yeah
0: um uh, you know i gotta go back to the uh the house of cards
1: uh wiki uh dunbar dunbar (laughs) yeah is dunbar i think dunbar's still alive is she dead but she tried to impeach Frank Underwood. I mean, I guess that's one way to really uh, distance yourself from Frank Underwood is to appoint the person who was trying to impeach him mm-hmm. or trying but, to beat. She tried to beat him in the primaries. That was what it was. But, you know, Claire Underwood, I think, uh, really wants to
0: make her mark on the uh, Supreme Court. And, and I think we we last her saw mark
1: her. Usher. Yeah, Maybe she appoints Mark Usher.
0: Uh, we last saw her in uh, Chapter 52. Uh, chapter 49 i think was the last time we saw dunbar when i think frank underwood uh beat her out at the primary yeah that sounds right that sounds that sounds right uh yes with frank's candidacy under pressure again claire starts uh, doubting their plan she ha- also has to make a difficult decision concerning her
1: mother Yes. Who her mother has uh, played a role in some flashbacks recently. Yes. All right. But well, I think is definitely not no longer alive in this show.
0: Um just to close the book on Abruzzo here, that uh I wonder could we see where Claire Underwood says, Okay, fine, yes, Abruzzo is good and then something happened to Abruzzo.
1: Yeah, that I mean I could see something like <laughs> that where where Claire then makes a counter move. And uh, Claire did bring up a uh, judge Michaels who she was going to be uh, interviewing the next day. Is that, is that judge Brett Michaels or judge Brett Michaels, Michael's? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we see Jillian Michaels. Yeah. Sean yeah. Michaels. John, the oh, the, the heartbreak, heartbreak kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's who it is. That would be, It's a boyhood dream of his to uh, <laughs> be on the Supreme court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um Bad news about Bill Shepard in this episode.
1: Yeah, um, that's I guess that was what that doctor's appointment was uh, the last episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shepard. That makes uh, a lot of sense. So Claire
0: met with Bill Shepard's doctor. Yeah, the medical Bill Shepard's. And Claire claims to have some sort of
1: like a sixth sense where she can smell where people have a terminal illness. Yeah, that was more of that, uh, you know, that, that weird, uh, You know, I I don't know that weird mystical stuff that we've seen in this season where um, we've got knocking in the wall, we've got spirits in the White House and now Claire can smell illness on people. That's a that's quite the talent. I think she's probably in the wrong job if she can smell illness. Yeah. Now, do you think
0: that she really can smell an illness or do you think that she is uh, like going to the doctor and then getting that information and then saying that, okay? uh, i can i have a sense that you like where she can't give up
1: her sources <laughs> yeah she's getting the, a the hit illusion michael yes yeah. yeah she's getting a hit exactly <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> her uh
1: her grandpa lou told her that uh that bill shepherd is sick <laughs> um zach when is bill shepherd gonna die Oh, uh, I don't think for a little while. I you think don't think so? Got him. No, I think we got him till the end of the season. Why would? I mean, they, he's a great character. It's Greg Kinnear. Why would they kill him off early? I
0: mean, maybe Greg Kinnear has something else to do. We, we've talked about this show and how wacky they are in terms of like uh, cast scheduling days. You know, it, it, it could be that Greg Kinnear would only do four episodes or something like that. I, I am
1: feeling like Bill Shepard is uh, not long for this world. All right, so we're at episode three right yes. now. It's an eight episode season. So over under episode six is Bill Shepherd's still i will take Live. the under. Okay. I will take the over. So yeah. episode six, seven, or eight, I win. Episode four and five. Uh, you
0: so win. really the over under is <laughs> episode five and a half.
1: Well, I mean, you can't really do do you want to do the episode six and twenty two minutes? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Right. Squeeze an extra
0: 22 minutes out. All right. Um, so by episode six of season six and 22 minutes, Bill <laughs> Shepard is a goner because really that I think Bill Shepard has to fall for Duncan to really take the reins here.
1: Oh, you think it's... See, I think it's Annette that's going to take the reins. I mean, Duncan is going to be around still, but uh, Duncan versus Claire is like the... You know the the last uh, final episode boss, and then the the final boss that we get is going to be Doug. I do think that was a good see. Prediction. I think that
0: there is part of Annette that still does not want to really destroy Clara. That wants to wants to at least in some ways. Work with her they're the, the two Women who have done The the crane dance uh, And uh, from way Back when and even when they were smoking A joint and passing it and Doing the crane dance and we're seeing Flashbacks and Annette You know that she knows Claire is gonna Like see Tommy Yates body and it's Like they just have to they're just like showing it to her That hey we're serious You got to do what we say we're not messing around Here and then you know we can Work with her once we you know she realizes who's boss but that duncan does not have that respect for claire underwood and once sundouche gets into uh, the the catbird seat he is not that he is going to reveal the yates murder he's going to reveal the abortions
1: he is going to unload everything Uh, All on his app that he's got. Yes, yes, he's got the communications method. Yeah. Well,
0: Zach, we also have sort of a season five of the Wire angle uh, built into this story. Where
1: I don't spoil season five (laughs) of the Wire for me. I've been in season three of the Wire for about four years. (laughs) Well,
0: I mean, we're just dealing with some of the issues going on at the newspaper, and uh, the we we hear about you know these newspapers being bought up. Tom Hammerschmidt is complaining about his boss is on a conference call. He's not even there. And then we find out later on the episode, the person who is uh, running. what What's the periodical that Hammerschmidt writes for? Oh, the Washington Herald, Washington Herald uh, that he is
1: actually Duncan. Yeah. Duncan Herald runs Duncan on Duncan. All o- yeah. Coming in Duncan all over the Washington Herald. Mm hmm. And so what is Duncan saying that he wants to do here? We'll make up sources for your stories. Yeah, it seems like he's going to make up uh, all of this information and that he wants to drum up some outrage about Claire Underwood. And he's going to bring, quote unquote, evidence about a divorce mm-hmm. in exchange for a pardon. And uh, he's just going to say, pardon me, Tom Hammerschmidt, here is all this evidence. And if you don't. Uh, if you don't publish this, then I will blackmail you with a uh, a piece from your old assistant that will run uh and make you look really bad and um I don't think they really spelled out exactly what that bad uh that bad news was for Hammerschmidt that was going to leak out what, was... what is the really damaging material about Tom Schmidt? I mean, if this was the real world, I would say it's like some sexual harassment allegations sexual harassment um, but I mean Hammerschmidt seems like he's on the up and up like is he even a drinking problem? He does seem like he has a rage problem. But <laughs> we did see that earlier scene where he's complaining about 140 characters. Um, somebody should let Tom Hammerschmidt know it's actually 280 now. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's going to be twice as upset. Yeah, uh, and then somebody's videoing him, and he says, "Put that thing away." And yeah, uh, so you know, and he he seems like he he's kind of like the uh, get off my the- lawn. Yeah, the, the inside-out character who just blows his lid uh, yeah. at moment's notice. I think
0: he was most upset with Duncan that he was working for a millennial. I think that that's really the thing that really put him over the top. Like, uh, yeah. I could take a lot in this business, but this is the last straw. <laughs> millennials taking their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I I did not work 45 years on the newspaper beat to have my boss be a millennial.
1: Yeah, Hammerschmitts versus millennials.
0: <laughs> Okay. Tell me about the woman who is the White House beat reporter who also seems to be working the politics beat on YouTube.
1: Yeah, um, I wasn't sure if that was YouTube or if that's, like, an Infowars-type website. Yeah. Um, She's speaking in front of an American flag, so she's obviously a patriot, and she loves the country and just wants to make sure the country is better. So she is uh, literally in bed with Duncan Shepard and also is in the White House press corps. For now, I don't know if her hard pass will get taken away after this uh, terrible publicity, but... I mean I, I I don't really know much about her she's uh her last name is Cruz so um and it's so weird it's so weird like her message that we saw in the vlog like oh
0: here's this you know fringe person who's really riling everybody up and she's like what is going I like she has like sort of like I guess kind of like a like a Tommy Lahren uh, type vlog where she's like, uh, what is the matter, President Underwood? Why don't you just nominate Bruzo to the Supreme Court already? What are you waiting for?
1: Yeah, she's uh, making things worse is what she said. She's all that this reporter wants is for America to be better. And Claire is not making things better.
0: Yeah. I mean, why is this blogger who (laughs) somehow has White House press credentials like so gung ho about one Supreme Court justice in particular? Uh, I don't know if there was like I mean, I don't I mean, we've gone through this a couple of times in real life. And I cannot recall like uh, any, you know, uh, media saying
1: pick this person or else. Yeah, I, I think she's more than just a blogger. I think she, I mean, Bill Shepard is watching her on TV. I no, I Bill get it. Shepherd. She's like, some
0: sort of, she's she's working with Duncan, but wh- what is the angle? Oh, it's
1: just to make Claire Underwood look bad. Just to have <laughs> people out there talking about Claire Underwood, um, you know, and, and drumming up support for people who are against Claire Underwood. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think there's much more to it than that. I think it's just that, you know, Duncan wants... You know, he's all about the outrage. That's what he said to Hammerschmidt. And this is just another form of getting the outrage. Yeah. Um, and he's her source. So um, he can, you know, if he can get bad publicity on Claire Underwood from the newspapers and from the TV. Then, you know, that just makes his message even better. Duncan is playing some like seventh dimensional chess
0: yeah or like first dimension
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: uh wh- here's something that i really need you to help walk me through okay oh good <laughs> all right who is double crossing who between claire doug and
1: green <laughs> yeah that's that's the uh the triangle that is uh tough nut to crack um Well, Green is working with Claire. I don't right. I don't. Nathan Green, uh, a mainstay
0: on the show. Okay, I I guess let's just talk this through. Who is he loyal
1: to, Doug or Claire? I think he's loyal to Claire. Claire. Um, Okay. I mean, if if you had to choose, if you were Nathan Green and it was be loyal to the president or be loyal to this guy who's sometimes drunk, uh, sometimes in a psychiatric hospital Like he's, you know, it doesn't have a job. Like you're better off being loyal to Claire. Okay. So he
0: to me is like the zombie mountain to Claire Cersei.
1: Yeah, that's a good comparison. He also um, plays almost the exact same character in the first season of Mr. Robot. So he's just like typecast as this like, oh, I
0: I might be confused uh, between the first season of Mr. Robot and when we left (laughs) last left off with the house of cards. So but he's like also working this angle with Doug. And
1: is he just pretending that he's buddies with Doug to get in good with Doug? Yeah, I think so. And I think he's trying. So he gave Doug a couple important pieces of information. He told Doug uh, allegedly that Frank Underwood died from an overdose of his liver medication um, and also gave Doug the footage from Leanne's camera from the night that she crashed her car uh, because of Frank Underwood and that Frank Underwood was streaming video from Leanne's phone. Um, So I think he's trying to work with Claire to turn Doug against the legacy of Frank Underwood. Okay. And Claire
0: says in this episode that Francis uh, left him everything in his handwritten will. Uh, this is the second time we're hearing about the Frank Underwood will. Uh, we're, we're here we're talking about Doug, correct?
1: Yeah. Also, the second time we're hearing about a will in this episode because uh, the Bill Shepard talked about the Will Shepard earlier in the episode.
0: Yes, and his brother who was going to be out of the will because yeah, Uncurious the, George. Uncurious George. Will we be seeing
1: Uncurious George at some point? <laughs> I I sure hope so. I sure <laughs> hope that it's a, a monkey dressed up as a person.
0: That would be great. That would be great. And Bill Shepard is the man in the yellow hat. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Did you take anything away from Claire Underwood goes back to the movies in the White House and she watches Rosemary's Baby?
1: Yeah, uh, I didn't know that was Rosemary's Baby, but the uh, closed captioning did let me know that that was what she was watching. Yes. Why (laughs) Rosemary's Baby? Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen Rosemary's Baby. Have you seen it? It's a horror movie. It's a horror Uh, movie.
0: Um, Let me give you the synopsis. A young wife comes to believe that her offspring is not of this world. Uh, uh, Wayfish Rosemary Woodhouse, played by Mia Farrow, and her struggling actor husband Guy, uh Ronan Farrow didn't take down Kevin Spacey right that 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 was uh on on his own I don't think yeah no I don't
1: think yeah no I don't think it was Ronan Farrow (laughs) uh
0: they move to a New York City apartment with a ominous reputation and odd neighbors in uh Roman and Minnie when Rosemary becomes pregnant she becomes increasingly isolated and the diabolical truth is revealed only after Rosemary gives birth uh yeah I believe it's Damien is her baby and uh, I haven't heard about Damien. Yes. So. All right. So is this some sort of an analog
1: for Duncan Shepard? Oh, the, the spawn who uh, who is out of control. Who's that, Duncan's that father? Is... Oh, we don't know. Okay. Maybe, oh, maybe Duncan's father is Frank Underwood. Oh. <laughs> oh,
0: all right. All right. Now we're getting somewhere
1: well we did say this was a very soapy episode oh
0: wow okay all right so here we are and 1998 was the year between frank underwood and mr duncan america runs on duncan does
1: is duncan 20 years old <laughs> no, he's 28, although uh there is a point where Annette says she gets the age wrong and says 27. Maybe that's some uh, clue. Um 27. Hold on. Is, is our a, math right here 98? No, so that would be 1990. Um but okay. you know, do we not know, you know, maybe there was something that happened in 1990 as well. Okay. Oh, uh, that would have been uh, I would have had to bring uh
0: Frank Underwood back to talk about that if we if, if that was going to be a viable theory. Okay.
1: So it all right. could be. All right. I like
0: Take that. to it. Am I crazy to think that Bill Shepard potentially is the father? Do we have some Cersei Jamie action? Potentially.
1: There was a, uh, a longing look and a soft touch between the two of them. Um, I yes. that in bold letters in my, in my notes. What was
0: that? And I can tell you that in my, you know, Several years of being on this earth that I have never, you know, spoken to my sister and put my hand like held to be fair. I've never done this with my wife either, where I held held her face in my hands as I spoke to her.
1: Yeah, Um, it was definitely that was odd. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe it's like a bucket list thing. We know that he is uh, very close to death. And then Seth walks in and were you hoping they would throw Seth out of the tower, the hotel tower? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Uh, the things I do for love. Get out of here, Seth. OK,
0: <laughs> is Mark Usher the father of uh, Damien,
1: a.k.a. Duncan? Now, that would be I don't know. I don't I don't think I would like that as much. Um, now, now that I've come up with this, this Frank Underwood theory, I'm all about that. Now, and- look. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Uh, I really uh, want that to be true more so than anything else ever in the history of television.
1: <laughs> I mean, Annette did say that uh, that Duncan's father is no longer in the picture or he's dead and she talks about him like mm. he's dead. So, um, I mean, you know, that that makes a lot of sense. And we're also seeing Mark Usher kind of take on a Frank Underwood role for Claire as well. Mm-hmm. If you picked up on that <laughs> in what way? So I, I picked up on it, especially in this scene where Claire is about to watch the movie. Um, we did see a scene where Claire and Frank watch a movie in that movie theater together. I think it was around when the election results were coming in or the primary results. Um, they end the episode watching a movie and Mark Usher is in there sitting next to Claire. She's smoking a cigarette. He takes a couple drags off of the cigarette as well. In smoking, we know is something that Claire and Frank did together. Mm -hmm. It was like their one way of bonding. Um, I think Mark Usher is looking a little bit like Frank Underwood. His hair is getting whiter. Um, And, yeah, I just think we're seeing him. Claire doesn't want him him to call her Madam President. He wants him to call her Claire. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're just seeing Mark kind of fill that role that Frank Underwood used to fill for her. Well –
0: Mark Usher had, uh, that one scene with the Arnold Palmer and, uh, yeah. it was, I, I found it to be very disturbing. of um, <laughs> Mark, Mark Usher, uh, in, in his, uh, boxers, uh, having to talk with
1: Annette. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, he just walks right out. It, I think he's Who wanted before this. He walks. Who was asking for this? What Mark Usher shirtless? Or <laughs> Annette and Mark Usher. <laughs> Oh. I mean, <laughs> Who's right? Like, uh,
0: inter- interior Mark Usher's bedroom night. Mark Usher in underwear pours himself a tall Arnold Palmer. Hmm,
1: <laughs> Arnold Palmer what a man <laughs> <laughs> oh do you think this was like a cutting room floor uh i don't know i don't know for some <laughs> arizona iced tea arnold palmer i don't even know what we're going for uh okay uh, a soap opera i'm telling you
0: this i guess is- it was very soap opera you know, like on all these soap operas they have like the like the the bottle of like scotch on like uh like
1: hit me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they should have filmed this scene in like the really high frame rate where you're watching you're like there's there's something weird about this show and the picture on the TV, but I can't figure out exactly what it is, just like when you're watching a mm-hmm. soap opera. Annette accuses Mark Usher of
0: wanting to have a relationship with Claire Underwood a couple times.
1: Yeah, that was weird because I don't even think Annette suggested it. Mm-hmm. it Cuz I watched that scene twice and The first time I was thrown off by, and then the second time I'm listening for Annette to say something about like you are in love with Claire or something like that. I don't think she ever does, but like uh, Mark Usher just offers up, I'm not attracted to her butt. Um, And it's kind of like uh, a Bruzo just offering up like, I never had sex with farm animals.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what, (laughs) you think Mark Usher has a thing for Claire Underwood? You know, they say power is a great aphrodisiac.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I could see that. Okay, I think that he's he's definitely, um, you know, just trying to have his cake and uh, his Claire and eat it, too. Yeah. Why
0: does Mark Usher go along with uh, what uh, Annette wants to do here?
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure because he didn't want to. What
0: does Uh, she have? on?
1: Is he in love with Annette? What does she have on Mark Usher? That's, see, that's what I don't think they spelled out just yet. Um, because, yeah, he agrees to it very easily. And it, it, he does seem to think that this is going to be a bad move for him because he's going to lose all the trust to Claire Underwood by doing this. Yeah. How are they going to continue to move on together? <laughs> well, I think that she's in a spot where she can't just fire him. Um, because if I was Claire Underwood, I would want to get the Tom Yates body back in my possession so I can dispose of it. So that in, you know, two weeks, if Claire Underwood does something that the Shepherds and Mark Usher don't like, they can't just say, oh, uh, you have 20 seconds again to make up your mind.
0: Yeah. And it did seem like Claire knew this was coming. I like that she was saying to the press secretary, hey, did you hear that the, uh, Tom Yates uh, was in yeah, Prague? I didn't like that. I heard that.
1: <laughs> I was yeah. like, what are the chances that – that like two hours before Claire Underwood is blindsided with this uh, dead body. She knew of Tom what was Yates. coming. She's just like, oh, um, you know that guy who we haven't talked about since the last season in a uh, hundred days. He's been missing. Yeah, let me just uh, refresh the audience's memory. It's kind of like when you're watching a show and you watch in the previously on, and they show some character from the first season, and you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, so that character is going to come back. Like, uh, all right, all of a sudden Robert Baratheon is going to be a big part of this episode. <laughs>
0: Uh this is the uh most game of Thrones I think we've spoken, in <laughs> any uh house of cards recap I'm pretty sure about yeah. that um can we go back to the guy that we saw in the diner with Doug uh talking about his uh wanting to be the speaker of the house
1: oh Cory Booker yeah, yeah.
0: um he's like like a young Cory Booker and he is uh, wanting to talk about, you know, what what's what are the skeletons in your closet? Come on. Everybody's got something. Uh, come on. It's me. It's Doug. You could tell me. <laughs> and so he ends up telling this story about how uh, that there were
1: people and pensions. And w- w- what is he talking about? I think that he must have spent all the pension money for the O'Hare workers, which I'm assuming is Chicago O'Hare Airport. Mm. Um, So, yes, uh, baggage handlers. Yeah. And, you know, talk about baggage. Looks like he's got some. But the young up and coming congressman from Illinois, um, who's, you know, seems like he's going to be a big power player here. So I don't I don't know who he could be based on. I mean, when they're talking about he has some
0: skeletons in his closet. I mean, I feel like on this show, oh, I, I screwed up the baggage handler's uh, retirement plan is like a big deal. Maybe he lost somebody's luggage. <laughs> yeah, I, lost, <laughs> I lost somebody's luggage. Everybody's going to be mad at me. <laughs> if this gets out, I'll be ruined. Nobody tell
1: Tom Hammerschmidt. But okay, I, you know it was it was a black rolling bag. There were twenty of them. Who could have known which one it Who was?
0: Who could have known? She really, she could have kept it as a carry on. Okay. A- anything else from season six, episode three?
1: Um, do you think that we saw Chekhov's letter opener in this episode? Chekhov's letter opener. How so? Yeah. Uh, so when Doug is talking to Claire at the end of the episode, when uh, Kathy Durant finally falls. Um, he, they do a long shot of that letter opener and, uh, that's the letter opener that Frank Underwood gave Doug, uh, the last time he saw Have one thing. Do you think that Doug is going to kill Claire with the letter opener? Oh, that's interesting.
0: That would be a good MacGuffin in terms of, uh, that being the object. Yeah. I am after this episode starting to think that Doug might outlive Claire.
1: Yeah. I think that Doug versus Claire is a very good prediction, but, uh, yeah, if Doug is kind of the last remaining cockroach on this show, that would that would fit with kind of what we've seen so far.
0: I think that those two have been the two mainstays, the, t- the two people that have been with the show. Is there another person on the show that has been there since season one?
1: Yeah, there's a couple people. I mean, Kathy Durant, who's no well, longer with us. Um, Tom Hammerschmidt, Nathan Green. But uh, as I mean, if you go to IMDb it's Doug and Claire are, have been in the most episodes of every, uh, every episode of house of cards.
0: Yeah. I think that that's ultimately where we're headed with this thing. Could we just go back to the Kathy Durant thing? Cause it was just, it really was odd that, <laughs> that, you know, it seemed like that there was like some sort of a call that came in like, okay, Oh, it's secret service. We got to move out. We got to roll. And then we just heard
1: that she was dead. Yeah, that was weird. Everything with Kathy Durant in this episode was really odd. Um, that scene was strange cause it just kind of came out of nowhere. And then it's like 20 seconds of them rushing her to the car and then we don't see her again. And then we only get a phone call that Kathy Durant is dead. Um, so you know, maybe Kathy Durant didn't actually die. Maybe that was like a witness protection thing. Um, strange to not see that. Yeah, no, well, I mean, but maybe somebody that was like, uh, Mark Shepard's call, but Kathy, uh, or jane you would th- davis's call because jane davis knew it was coming maybe jane davis double cl- crossed claire
0: yeah but i it, it feels like that kathy knew about the first assassination attempt so i feel like that if it was some sort of like witness protection program
1: thing uh, then I, I don't think they would pull her in that manner yeah um it, it was strange and Also, I think it was very strange how Kathy Durant was able to sniff out that there was an assassination coming for her in the first step in the first uh, attempt on her. Yeah. Hey, Um, she's no fool. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know what it was that gave it away. She walks in. I guess it was that the restaurant was empty and that Jane Davis is just sitting there. But Jane Davis is just sitting there and drinking tea or coffee or something. But I think that the
0: fact that that restaurant, there was nobody there in the middle of the day. Too weird. Yeah. But couldn't
1: it just be that, like, this is an important meeting. We're going to clear out the restaurant.
0: Mm,
1: I I feel like restaurants probably get cleared out for, you know, people in Kathy Durant's uh, level of power from uh, every once in a while.
0: But they were just meeting as friends. It wasn't like the type of like if if, I think under normal circumstances, if they went to a restaurant, it would not have been a, uh, you know, a clear out situation
1: yeah that's fair kathy grant does say that she has nine lives or she says she feels like a cat and i wrote in parentheses nine lives Mm -hmm, question mark
0: well i think we're we're done with those
1: three lives close
0: she said to claire like she was acting all coy and then when claire like wasn't biting she was like you know i could still feel his hand on my back yeah that was a good line i like that was good it was good okay this was my favorite Uh, episode of the season it was not close
1: yeah. We also hear about the midterms quite a bit in this episode. Do you think we're going to see the midterms at some point? Oh, next Red Wave is coming? Yeah. Red I'll Wave. Be watch be out,
0: Shepard, Claire. Yeah. Watch out. She could get, uh, you know, really beaten up in the midterms. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Okay. All right. After next week, we're going
1: to be, or next episode, we'll be halfway there. Yeah. Even Quick. closer to my uh, Bill Shepard surviving. Uh, yeah, we'll be getting closer. You know
0: a House of Cards season is a little bit Sort of like the you know uh, the way the 24 seasons are structured of course uh, Less episodes but it's always like There's like one storyline and Then we start, and then the second half of the season is like Another storyline so with eight Episodes uh, I do like their Chances to be able to tell Just one story across the way
1: Yeah um, We'll see if it's one story It seems like every episode Has been quite a bit different than the one before it mm-hmm. So um, I'm curious to see Where we go in the next couple OK, so uh, I want to do some questions. Sure. All right. So we got two. Uh, one from Johnny DeSilvera, a pumped up Titans fan, Johnny DeSilvera. Yeah. And Nashville Predators, too. hmm. All right. Sure. The Shepherds aren't great people, but Claire had Kathy Durant killed. Neither side has the high moral ground on this on the other. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think
1: that um, anybody who <laughs> thinks that Claire Underwood has the moral high ground on anything. Now, I do think that, you know, Claire Underwood might have thought that she could do this job cleanly. And she, uh, you know, she I think she keeps like she's like one of those people who just keeps making excuses and saying like, oh, yeah, after next week, I'm going to go on my diet. Uh, hmm. next, the week after next week, she's like, all right, after I just kill this one person, after I do this one dirty tactic, then things are going to be good and clean. And I'm going to be, you know, kind of like uh, like like in Breaking Bad, where it's just like one bad thing just keeps going, keeps compiling on. Zach, do you think
0: we're going to see Petrov in this season of House of Cards?
1: Um, I might have seen uh, the synopsis of the next episode and saw his name. Oh, OK, good. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we we will be seeing Petrov in the next episode, okay. I think. Okay, good. Uh, and then Brendan Fitzpatrick uh, wrote in, and uh, thanks, Brendan, for putting a lot of extra characters in your email so we weren't spoiled by the Gmail preview. It's helpful. Yes. Uh, so at this point, who do we believe fed Frank the OD of his medication? Hmm. I mean, who was there?
0: I mean, it seemed like that Jane Davis wasn't even in the White House. And so...
1: I mean, who are the the suspects? I don't know. I mean, I don't think. That that's actually how he died. I would be very surprised if it was just like like Frank Underwood being taken out by his liver medication is the like least interesting way for Frank Underwood to have died. Yeah. But they're saying, oh, he was acting erratic
0: that night. I mean, if he was with the Shepherds, could it have been Duncan Shepherd who really uh murdering
1: his father, that's spiked terrible. Spiked
0: his drink. Yeah, patricide. Yeah. I don't know. Um, did you notice in the episode that they opened it up and they were talking about uh, when Claire was fighting with Mark in uh, you know the, the first scene of the episode? She talked about when Bill Shepard took her hand, she felt emasculated. She was emasculated and
1: Mark Shepard was emasculated. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's good because... I would hope that they didn't feel good about that. I mean that like you're just letting this Bill Shepherd guy shepherd this bill forward for you. I am not cool with that.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Um I just felt like that, that was uh, definitely an interesting uh, turn of phrase where I I'm not sure if, if there are other ways that it's used, but you know, I looked it up here and most of the definitions that I see are referring to the uh process of uh making something uh, less masculine deprive a man or a male of his uh male role or identity?
1: Well I mean Claire is in a role that has been held by men uh throughout history and was just previously held by her husband. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, maybe maybe she are kind of powerful moment. Even, powerful yeah, moment she- she doesn't like being called Madam President. Um mm-hmm. although she's only corrected Mark Usher on that, I believe, and other people have referred to her as Madam President. Yeah. Um Mark Usher so. is not long for this world either, right? Oh, that's interesting. This world is just like this House of Cards world uh is just crazy. Like all the like, Kathy Durant being killed, um yeah. like all you know, Frank Underwood being killed, Kathy Durant being killed, Mark Usher is killed. I mean, can you imagine if like all of these high-profile uh, politicians were all killed within like you know <laughs> two months of each other? Yeah,
0: it's it's a little Sopranos-ish uh, <laughs> how we handle conflict
1: in the House of Cards. Yeah, I mean, it, the I real it, world gonna... has not uh, proven to be like that. No, I guess they're just tying up loose ends in this show. Okay, so all right,
0: Zach. Let me thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at betonline.ag who are the presenting sponsor of the Podcast One Sportsnet. Let me just say that uh, I made a foolish error in judgment in week number 10 when I made the New York Jets at home facing a quarterback off the street supposedly (laughs) have a defensive... Minded head coach who knows how to coach a defense
1: and felt like that this was a layup and I made them one of my picks this week. Yeah, I made them my fantasy defense as well. So you're not alone. I was like, oh, Jets going up against the Bills. They should have it. Sorry. I'm sorry. So I took. One step,
0: uh, slightly away from first place in the podcast one Sportsnet, and that five thousand dollar prize courtesy of BetOnline.ag for charity. If I am the winner, but you know, still. Plenty of time left here in this NFL season over uh, at the midway point, a little past the midway point in the NFL and the college football season are all moving along. Each game is that much more important with teams like the Saints, Rams and Chiefs. All looking good in college football. Alabama is uh, doing it again uh, with Notre Dame, Clemson and Michigan uh, remaining yeah. at top of the BCS standings. Why, why was that like a sigh? Oh,
1: cause I'm a Michigan State person. Michigan oh. is like this drive me crazy. It's awful. all right. I, I get them confused. Yeah, it happens, and it's terrible. All right, I'll tell you where they're not confused.
0: BetOnline.ag. That's where you get in on all the action. Don't wait any longer. Use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. In the NBA, you've got Milwaukee, Toronto, Golden State, and Denver all starting off on a high note, and in the NHL, Nashville and Tampa have great records. Don't miss out on any more of the incredible action. Go online or use your mobile phone and sign up with the promo code Podcast One to get your fifty percent welcome sign up bonus and try in-game live betting, where you can participate with all of the action with every play. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah. What's the line on how much longer do we have Greg Kinnear
1: on House of Cards? Um, Well, okay. so I was going to bring this up earlier and for people who stuck around uh, for after this ad, Greg Kinnear was on Bill Simmons, uh, your favorite. He was on Bill Simmons podcast last week. How was that? Is Greg Kinnear a sports fan? Uh, No, they didn't talk much about sports. They just kind of talked about uh, the different movies and shows he was on. But they did talk about House of Cards and uh, there's no spoilers or anything. But he said he was already cast to play this role before they got rid of Kevin Spacey Mm, off the show. Okay. Um, and so then he heard the news about Kevin Spacey and thought the show was going to be canceled. And he said Robin Wright Penn or Robin Wright uh, pushed forward for him to be uh, on the show or for for the show to continue for his character to be on the show. So uh, it does sound like Bill Shepard was going to be a part of House of Cards no matter what. Okay. for this sixth season
0: was Bill Simmons pro House of Cards or is like uh, that he was
1: into it, but uh, that he's out. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's watched it in the last few years. Yeah, he like, he was really into it. it. He but. was
0: really into it in the beginning, and I think he was one of the proponents of that he didn't like them dropping all the episodes at once, if I recall.
1: Oh, really? okay. Um, yeah, they, I don't think he really had an opinion one way or the other. They just kind of talked about uh, about House of Cards yeah. and that uh that Greg kinnear is on it. And um they talked a lot about as good as it gets. I feel like they that was like a lot of their discussion was about that. Well, well yeah, I
0: know this isn't uh Rob a podcast, but if we were gonna do any uh IMD bags here on the career of Greg kinnear well, what is the high point of the what is the apex of the Greg career? Uh
1: I mean I think it's gotta be as Talk good soup? as it gets. So I didn't realize he was a talk soup. Uh, the original talk soup. I think that was just a little bit before I was paying attention to uh,
0: these type of. I things, mean, he may he he did a lot with talk, from talk soup, and I used to. I, I was an OG talk soup guy, and was he the
1: host of talk soup? Was yeah. he the Joel McHale of talk soup. I mean, yeah. the Joel McHale was the uh, Greg Kinnear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, but I mean, as good as it gets like if Titanic didn't come out that year, as good as it gets would have been the biggest movie of that year.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big movie, although his part in as good as it gets, uh, you know, that he's the third guy, but I feel like was, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, sort of, uh, the, you know, the Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt, I think are probably more remembered
1: for that. Yeah. Um, I think that it, he was talked about quite a bit at the time because he was a gay character on the yes, show, and this was yes. 1998. Yes,
0: um, but I feel like the, the other two had bigger parts in the movie. Did he get an Oscar n- nomination
1: for that? I think I he think? was nominated for... Uh, He's nominated, yeah. Yeah, for Best Supporting. Yeah. But I, I'm sure he probably lost to somebody in Titanic. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then, and then don't forget about Stuck On You, where uh, him and Matt Damon <laughs> yeah. Played, yeah, played the Join twins. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that... Um, I, I will say for, uh,
0: you know, um, if I was going to go with my all-time talk soup hosts, uh, I, I think I'd have on the all-time talk soup power rankings. Uh, I will say, here they are. Well, I, I, I will give you uh, number five. I don't know, Hold on. Let me. Uh, Hal Sparks. Because okay. I don't remember anything about the Hal Sparks era. Apparently,
1: uh, I wasn't. Is this five out of five, then? Because five out of five. I who, oh, five, out, five
0: out of five. I will rank the big, okay. the big five. Hal Sparks uh, that uh, that he was uh, 1999 to 2000. Uh, is that like Jordan Sparks. Is he related to Jordan Sparks? I don't think so. Uh, number okay. four, Aisha Tyler. Uh, okay. I, I have heard of 2001 Aisha. to 2002. Okay. Short, that had the longevity stand. or the notoriety. I'm sure she was fine. Okay. Uh number 3 in my all-time talk soup host rankings. I will give you Greg Kinnear. He got he got it started, On got number 3. Got the ball rolling, but uh he's only he's only number 3 in my rankings, okay? Number 2 Joel McHale. He did a lot with it. He is uh, does not host. The, he basically is then uh, recreated the soup on Netflix, but then it got canceled. Uh, did a great job. Joel McHale. So did he host? Did he host talk soup? He hosted host the soup. Th- no, the soup. He never hosted. Okay. Uh, so. So there was a hiatus of uh, talk soup to the soup between 2002 and 2004. And in Guys. my mind, for my money, the all time greatest talk soup host, John Henson, john henson 1995
1: to 1999 oh, four-year stretch okay it's yeah four-year it four run four-year run uh why, McH- why is john henson the best
0: i uh, i just thought that he uh was uh really fun Yeah, that he had a skunk spot in his hair and that was my that was my guy john henson yeah not john hennigan right john not, henson. Not, no no uh i think that um Honestly, I I don't remember a ton from the uh, from the Greg uh, Kinnear era. Uh, I did like he had like a a Kilborn-ish vibe to him. But John Henson was my guy.
1: Yeah. And people say you don't care about food and we just got your soup rankings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. yeah so uh we'll see i've never seen any other anybody else's
0: official uh talk soup host rankings so if anybody is still listening to this podcast i would Alan's love Alexander to- chester yes i'm uh, sure he's got one uh he may but i doubt he's listening to this podcast so if somebody is listening not. to the sound of our voices and has talk soup host rankings we'd love to hear them hoc at There recaps.com <laughs> all right there you go. I, I never expected today to give you my talk soup host rankings Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, things that the Underwood administration does for us. Has anybody (laughs) else ever ranked uh,
0: Talk Soup hosts? Uh, Uh, Let's see. Host
1: rankings. And you and uh, you can at me. You guys can at me with that. Oh man, I, I I can't give you talk soup rankings, but I can give you actual soup rankings. Yeah. Okay. All right. So BuzzFeed in 2013 did a ranking. <laughs> Which rankings. talk soup host are you? <laughs> Take yes. <these> <laughs> no. Okay.
0: Uh, ranking of the hosts of E's Talk Soup slash The Soup. Uh, they that they are in lockstep. Number five. House Sparks. Yeah. All right. You know unequivocally the worst soup talk soup host of all time. Did not let a spark in that the talk soup. Okay. Number four, Aisha Tyler. Oh, okay, all right, <laughs> nailed it. Okay, see, I kind of thought that she's the only woman. I thought that they would, um, she would be ranked. Uh, you know, that there would be a place for her. That she broke the glass ceiling of talk soup. But um, I- I'm just judging it by the, you know, the quality of the work and sort of the impact they made on the soup franchise. Uh, number three. John Henson. Oh, oh they said John they're not, Henson. I'm, they're not Hennies like you. Uh, they're not Hennies like me. Uh, BuzzFeed says, he's the Roger Moore of talk soup hosts. Uh, not the first, most famous, or respected of his compatriots, but the one many people probably remember first seeing host the show. He benefited enormously from the rise of both Jerry Springer and Rosie O'Donnell as talk show celebrities, both of whom provided hours upon hours of prime content. And then there was that time where Dustin Hoffman defibrillated his so i don't remember that but yes i think that he did maybe have the the best era to work with uh number two greg kinnear and the article wow uh joel McHale number one in this uh 2013 rankings and this might have been sort of uh at the height of uh community also so maybe um it was uh as sort of a, a joel
1: McHale in his prime yeah that that makes sense and i think that um, is it fair to rank Talk Soup and the Soup? Like are, I don't yes. know if they're the same. It is the they're, same. Yeah. It, it is okay.
0: the, it, it is the same. The difference is I think that uh when when the Soup when rebranded in 2004 and this is so not uh we were so far away from a house of cards. <laughs> when the when the Soup rebranded in 2004, they started including uh crazy reality shows where in the 90s edition of the Soup uh or Talk Soup it was uh, all like daytime talk shows. So daytime talk shows uh, sort of went away. And then Joel McHale came on and it's like uh, this week on, you know, uh, who wants to marry my dad? Whereas it would be in the 90s uh, this
1: week on, uh, you know, the Ricky Lake show. So, yeah, a little, a little, I feel like. Subtle I feel the soup is what made it to my radar. I, I had heard about talk soup, but I don't think I ever saw any clips yeah. from talk soup. But yeah. um, the soup, you know, I remember like, oh, look at this idiot doing, uh, doing Casey Kasem <laughs> on Survivor. <something> like
0: that. <laughs> All right, let's end it here. All right, great work. Uh, we'll be back with uh, chapter. <laughs> cha- what, is cha- what is it? Chapter six? Oh, Seven. chapter sixty-nine. Oh, up. very nice. <laughs> For years, we have waited for this moment. Uh, 69 coming up next on House of Cards, Season 6, Episode 4. Follow Zach Brooks on Twitter. He is BrooksZA. Uh, I saw you talking with uh, Caitlin Herman about being vegan recently
1: on Twitter. Yeah, Yeah, I I, uh, did a month vegan. Yeah, I did a month vegan in April. A month uh, vegan? Why April? Uh, I just wanted to try. I have friends that are vegan and they liked it a lot. So I was like, all right, I'll try it for a month and just see like what all the fuss is about. And okay. I actually ended up really liking it and uh, stuck around and um, like 99% vegan. Now I break it every once in a while, but for the most part, I keep vegan. Okay. 99% vegan. Like, that should like your be your Twitter those, bio. Yeah, I don't like to be one of those vegans that talks about it all the time. Um, yeah, well, in I fairness, perfect. I brought it up to you. No, yeah, that's fine. Um and I do think like once I first did it it was like, oh, like you have to think about what you're eating so much. Um and I didn't do it for any like moral ethical reasons. I just wanted to see if I like felt healthier and um I did. I felt I felt really good and um got me like experimenting in the kitchen with a lot of stuff and just had to meal prep um yeah all the time to have food ready so that was why I went vegan and uh yeah, it was fun. It was a fun challenge if anybody wants to try it, I can give you some tips it, and it is- is that when you took a picture on a surfboard as your Twitter bio? Uh, n- it was probably around the same time. I think that was a Look little at bit you. before. Yeah, was, that was you know doing all kinds of adventures stuff after <laughs> I left DC. <laughs> I'm like Frank Underwood. I left. I left DC. Your growth arc, arc over the course of this podcast is uh, that is <laughs> is, is uh, amazing.
0: That uh, you're like a whole different guy in season six. I know. Yeah, I,
1: I uh, rebooted myself just like uh, the rebooted House Cards. <laughs> Yeah, you're like the reverse Doug Stamper. Yeah, hopefully the, the my longevity in this rebooted phase is longer than eight episodes.
0: Yes. All right. Well, great job. Follow at brooksza on Twitter. I'm at Rob Cisparino. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.